Well, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. I know that uh, many people have already said that uh, in the greetings today. I am Ricky Ayala, the senior pastor of this congregation, and I want to welcome all of you, especially those of you who are here for the very first time or watching online. We are in our second week of our current sermon series that is titled, Then Sings My Soul. It's actually a volume of books that actually shows the hymns or songs, and it goes along with the story of how that song came about. Last week, I want to say thank you to Pastor Gill because he began the series with uh, uh, How Great Thou Art, which is Then Sings My Soul. Today, I want to be going into a song that's not really a hymn, but uh, probably about maybe 10, 12 years ago was uh, uh, put on radio and it's titled Forgiveness by Matthew West. It's actually based on a true story what took place, and I want to share that story with you today, here today. But in the midst of also sharing that story, I want to uh, share with you an interview that I had, a testimony of one of our own members, because when it deals with forgiveness, it brings about different types of emotions from one person to another. The reason why that is is because whether you're the one that's receiving forgiveness or the one that's asking for forgiveness, we know that it brings about different types of emotions. And so be, I, I want to let you know that today's sermon, even though I, I come up here and I'm always energetic with, um, to bring God's word, I also want to let you know that it's a heavy, it's a heavy sermon here today because, again, it deals with forgiveness or, I would probably say, unforgiveness as well and how we can utilize and ask God to help us to know about what forgiveness is truly about. That way we're able to live it and not just speak it. So before we begin, I know that Pastor Gill already prayed, but let me just pause for a word of prayer. Loving and gracious God, as we come before your presence, we're so thankful that you allow us to be in this place on a beautiful day as today and the technology that allows us to go beyond our walls to receive your word today. Speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the word forgiveness, can you say forgiveness? It is a word that's actually at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. When it talks about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, that's sometimes people just share those words and it's, it's automatic, right? But sometimes we have to make sure that we pause to fully understand what Jesus was telling and showing his disciples how to pray. In Matthew 6, and this is the NLT version, the Bible has different words instead of uh, the trespasses. It says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, in fact, forgiveness is not optional. It's a command. Jesus, actually a few, like a couple, two more verses later, he continues to share and, and teach his disciples about forgiveness. In verse 14, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're like me, you'll understand and agree with me that forgiveness is sometimes easier said than done. The song Forgiveness comes as a result, as I shared, from a tragic event. It comes from a story of a mother named Renee where she had four children and two of them were twin daughters. One day, she received a phone call that the daughter that was with her friend were involved in a horrific uh, 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 automobile accident. 
and that both the daughter and her friend passed away. Can you imagine the type of phone call that you receive when your child is out on the road and you receive that phone call that they were in an accident and then they're no longer living? The emotions that she received at that moment, more of that in shock. And I'm sure that several of you know or have experienced those types of messages when people are getting hurt or tragically losing their life. For those that are in military, and maybe not now, but in the past when you got those, but recently the 13 families of those soldiers who passed away are getting a knock on the door from the military saying that their child, their son, or daughter was either killed in action or those back then were missing in action. For her, for Renee, it was this drunk driver. The drunk driver was a male uh, by, the, uh, by the name of Eric, and he was only 24 years old. In the courtroom before the sentencing, Eric broke down in court. With tears and remorse, he wanted to say that he was sorry to the families and that if he could do anything to bring those girls back to their families, he would. At the end, the judge sentenced Eric to 22 years in prison. So after her daughter's death, Renee began to do presentations in churches and schools and other locations to talk about the dangers of drinking and driving. She thought that was all she could do to keep her, the memory of her daughter alive. So let me pause there for this story for a moment. No parent, I believe no parent should ever have to bury their child. It happened from the beginning of time. If you look at Genesis, with the story of Cain and Abel, and just like you've heard, it still happens today. And there are several of you in our church who have gone through this tragedy. I think of several family members like the Brown family, the Zur family, the Speck family, the Shanley family, the Rhoda family, to name a few. Now, you may not have personally connected with the story of Renee, but maybe, maybe you can relate to someone who went through hurt and pain while growing up, especially at the hands of someone they loved and trusted. And that's what happened to one of our very own members, the name of Janet Mack, and here is her testimony. Growing up, it was hard, it was hard. We didn't have a lot, but what we had is what we needed. I was quite involved in church from little on up, always involved in choir, always involved in youth group. The organist at the church where I grew up in Culpsville just gave me a sense of strength. And she sadly had passed away from breast cancer many years ago but I contribute a lot of who I am today to a woman like her. 
My dad was always a worker, but every time we would have uh, a function at school, or if we had a band competition or something going on at church, it didn't matter how much sleep he had. He was always present, and we always saved up to go on that one huge vacation trip that every child dreams about every year, and we really, you know, made the most out of those times. God was a part of my life, not as he is today, basically just because we went to church every Sunday. You know, there was no praying, uh, giving thanks for meals, for what we had during the week, but you needed to be at church on a Sunday morning. And I'm grateful that I was put in that position to attend church every Sunday. But that was about the only time that we had Christ in our home was on Sunday. One of the main hurts that transformed my life over the years, when I was growing up, and I was probably about 10, maybe 11, and my father, when he would get up for work in the morning, he would get up about two, sometimes three in the morning, and he would come into my room, and there would be abuse going on. And that was very hard, and it went on for quite a while. And I think the hardest part and the most hurtful part was why was he doing it? Was it my fault? Did I do something? to attract that kind of behavior? Why didn't anybody else hear it? Why didn't anybody else hear him come into my room? Maybe they did. That was a very, very difficult time. And I felt very ashamed. I felt bad, like I was doing something wrong. And then one day it stopped. Thank God it stopped. That was probably the hardest time that I've had. The trauma that that caused not only affected me, but I found that as I was a young woman and got married, it affected the sensuality that a man and a woman have together. When my children were born, it affected me because I would always be watching to see how my husband was holding my children. Because I thought, oh, my father did it to me. He used to say he won't do it to them. First, I want to share a thank you to Janet for her courage. There's a second part to her testimony that I'll share briefly. Amen. It's a lot of courage to be able to share that hurt and pain, and it's not only just inside the church, but as we go out beyond our walls in an online uh, family. As you heard, there was hatred. There was bitterness. There was anger. There were questions of why. When tragedy strikes, when hurt and pain are experienced, we are all changed somehow. Make no mistake, tragedy of losing a loved one changes us. That change is part of the grieving process, and as difficult as it may sound, the grieving process is not meant for us 
to stop living. I want to go back to the story of Renee and the song of forgiveness. As I shared with you, as she was going out and doing presentations in churches, in schools, in other locations, she realized that there was some type of void, an emptiness, and the impossible happened for many people, but not for her. She reached out to Eric in prison, and she told him, I forgive you. Can you imagine as a parent losing a loved one and then going to the one that took their life away and saying, I forgive you, but yet here, Renee did that. Eric said, and it's reported saying that I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. It didn't stop there. Renee's family then followed suit and reached out to Eric and expressed forgiveness to him. And then it's reported that the family described Eric as part of their family. Renee went on to court before the judge, and whatever she did, whatever she said, and somehow was able to cut his 22 years of sentence in half for him to serve 11 years. And it was granted. Matthew West, the author of the Song of Forgiveness, was on a tour in Florida, and to his amazement, the Department of Corrections allowed Eric to leave prison in order to join Renee and him in the tour. And every time the tour, uh, he would come and share with the crowd, he would go back to prison. So the question that is regularly asked of Renee is, why and why do you do it? It is recorded that she wanted Eric to have a, a second chance at life. And then when he would get out, uh, he would also join her as she traveled to do the presentations of the dangers of drinking and driving. Now, for some of us, not all of us, the return to living is by forgiving. And when I say that is the forgiving of someone who took the life of a loved one is no longer with us. And that's what happened to Renee. But God set an example to forgive. If we want to be obedient to God, then we must be forgiving. And at this time, this, uh, I want to share with you the second part of the interview with Janet Mack. He passed on in 2014, and several weeks before then, he was in the hospital in ICU. I could not even hug him till that time. He spent about a week in hospice, and the last thing he said in the hospital was, I want to go home, and that I want to go home. So he knew it was time. He knew he was being called. So. The healing process for me didn't start until the very end of his life. I went over there, my brother was over, he said his goodbyes and he left. And I thought I would stay with my mom for the night because I thought it would be a long evening. So I was up sitting with my father in the living room. They had a hospital bed for him. He was incoherent at that time, 
but they always say that you, they will hear you when you speak because supposedly hearing is the last thing that goes. So I sat with him, I prayed with him, I said the Lord's Prayer with him, and when I got to the part where we talk about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and I thought, I'm holding on to this, and he's not free, and I'm not free. So I took his hand, and I told him, Daddy, I forgive you as God forgives me. I forgive you. And I know he heard me because he squeezed my hand and took his last breath, and he was gone. And it was such a joy because I knew, I knew in his heart that he had asked God to forgive him. And I forgave him as well. This is the last shirt that I ever saw him wear. And this is my two girls. He wears the angels. It's the last thing I saw him in. And now he has wings. After that moment, I sang to him, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. That's what I felt, grace, mercy, joy, sorrow, all that at one time. But that was the turning point for me. My chains were gone. I felt an immediate release that I was a different person, not because he had passed away, but because I finally left go of all that pain, all that shame. I honestly think I have gotten closer to God myself when I joined New Hanover. That was a turning point for a lot of things. God has that ability to just come in and just, he gives me that peace that I know where my father is. He's with my mother dancing up there, but he is genuinely just flooded me with peace. It is never too late to ask for forgiveness. It's never too late to offer forgiveness. So I keep going in my journey, and I hope my story reaches somebody. And if they need to speak to me, they have an ear, I will listen. I will share. Amen. What the power of forgiveness can do for us, in us, and through us. But we also have to understand that there is another power that has the same effects and sometimes even worse, and that is the power of unforgiveness. A failure to forgive not only offends God, it hurts us and it hurts others. 
In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, it says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. You see, brothers and sisters, to, uh, forg uh, forgiveness is crucial to maintaining good relationships, not just with each other, but also with God. How many marriages and friendships have been wounded by an unforgiving heart? When we fail to forgive, we not only damage relationships, we burden ourselves. We start accumulating mental and emotional baggage. We unnecessarily carry the weight of these negative feelings. But forgiveness is the key to unloading all the emotional baggage we continually carry. And I say continually because I would venture to say that for many, we carry weight even years after a person is no longer in our lives. If a person has hurt you and that person has died and you are carrying the weight of hurt and pain, the person who died is not the only one that is no longer living. For we may not be truly living. I want to go into the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. The Bible says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You heard the testimony of Janet. And I'm sure that if you had the courage, and I would ask you to, what hurts and pains have you had? Uh, if we have 250 people here, every story is going to be different. In the story behind today's message of forgiveness, the mother, Renee, said that even though Eric was in prison, she felt she was the prisoner. Because she had this bitterness and hatred and anger towards Eric. And rightfully so, some would say. Because of his actions, he took her daughter and her friend's life from their families too soon. I believe her daughter was 20 years old. When it comes to forgiveness, today's song has a verse that says, it'll clear the bitterness away. It could even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. And she wrote to Matthew and he came up with this song. Is the hardest thing to give away The last thing on your mind today It always goes to those who don't deserve 
opposite of how you feel. When the pain they cause is just too real a taste. Everything to have to say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It lies in the face of all your pride. It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you've got a right to hold the grudge, is the whisper in your ear saying, set it free. Forgiveness. 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 Yeah. 